majority of people who I know are infinitely more successful than I am. That can be a bad thing if you're comparing yourself, or it can be a good thing because when you know them properly, you understand that the challenges about self-realization, feeling that you're not enough, those persist with people who we would consider don't need to worry about anything. And so understanding that this is not only you, and this is not just because you don't have enough of something, it persists with all of us. And yeah, that's a quite a powerful realization that more money or more appreciation won't take away the internal issues that you have until you do it yourself. Hi, I am Sophie Vu, and this is the Rise and Play podcast. In the show, I sit down with influential thought leaders in the gaming industry to deconstruct how they create the best teams and company cultures in order to create the best games. Speaking to hundreds of game executives in the show, I have identified recurring patterns and mistakes that we all make in our leadership journey. Do you have to go through the same hold-ons and make the same mistakes to learn too? You are not alone in this journey, and hopefully you can learn from a diverse range of seasoned leaders who already walked the talk. Every episode brings actionable insights and case studies that will help you improve your management skills, self-awareness, and empathic communication. Becoming a better leader starts with becoming a better human. Are you ready to unlock your full potential in life and business? Let's begin. I'm today with Mishka Katkov, founder of Deconstructor of Fun, full-time, and the former CEO of Savage Games, where we work together. And for the context, we have been too, so busy in doing our own thing, track path. Maybe we'll touch on that today. But we didn't have a chance to catch up for the past, I don't know, two, three months. I can't even track that. Uh, then I was in India. When people knew of me and Mishka in the episode and said, it was really good with the episode or the latest one about negative feedback or managing up, that reminded me, okay, note uh, when I come back, we should keep the ball rolling as asked by our audience and people enjoy our conversation. We have a very interesting topic and I'll let you start with it, Mishka, mm-hmm. because we were exchanging, you know, by text about success. And I've seen also some posts on LinkedIn about what is the company's success, what is success. And I see everybody's very heated and very passionate about the topic and having their own view about it. And I thought, why not having a conversation about success? and deconstruct the definition of success. So uh, <laughs> also, why did you want to uh, start a conversation with it? And how are you coming in this conversation today? Well, thank you for having me on beautiful Rise and Play podcast. Nice to have you back and healthy from India. We have been messaging a lot and I was expecting <laughs> you to have a food poisoning. I was basically counting the days and you didn't. So kudos to you <laughs> based on the type of food that you were eating there. It's yeah. all good. <laughs> you know, nothing happened. So. I would like to approach the topic today of success through all lenses and also yours, because like now being more independent, I not that I have all the time of work, but I have more time to reflect on those topics. I'm sure you do. And I was thinking of external success versus internal success and external. I'll explain as well what I mean by that is what society values, right? And even I was asking you as well, like what are your thoughts on, on it? And I'd like to start with the perception of external success with you. And you can tell me if actually you also agree with that or see that. 
what is valued, I see, in the press, because the press also uh, plays a part on it, right? It's the growth and revenues of a company, and those are published usually, an exit of a company. So when we look also at your profile, Mishka, about success, you founded Deconstructor Often, which I think is an amazing platform. Even when I was in India, so many people were speaking highly of Deconstructor Often and how it has impacted their life as a PM to have access to knowledge, because how do you grow an industry? It's access to network and knowledge. And it's like democratizing the knowledge and the access to you know, knowledge, market thinking, access to experts' opinion, deconstruction mm-hmm. analysis. And so it, it did have its impact. Huge community as well, and uh, still we growing big now that you're in full time. So this is one element externally. Second, yes, uh, you founded your company, uh, Savage Games, with your co-founders and bring it to also selling it to PlayStation Mobile. And then the rest of the story needs to be told, but you had an exit and within three years. So that's also from your side, like, whoa, okay, a company return to the investors. And then also is in under a good parent, PlayStation, great company. And then another point of personal uh, or external success, which I know more from our private channels, you know, you have a lovely family, you have a house, a, ro- a roof to live under, but you have all those elements and you are, I would say, financially secure. So all those points are looking great. And like that man should be super happy, super fulfilled. What do you have to worry? So now we're having a conversation today about success. And how does that land on you when I'm sharing all of this that looks like a very good external success? Well, first of all, I mean, we've talked about this and I'm not like, this is not a point of shame. I think this is something that I would like people to, especially the male audience of yours. And if this is published in Deconstructor Fund of ours, which is, you know, 75% male to tell that this, these are the topics that I discuss with my therapist. So it's quite interesting. And some of the material that she's given me is very interesting to read. And the material is about why success doesn't lead to satisfaction. I don't consider myself successful. Like I, I never, like there are days when I feel successful. It's usually when something good has been done, whether in personal life or, or work life, but that success doesn't linger. And it's quite normal after talking to my therapist is like reaching that type of a stage is, is, is tends to be fleeting. And I'd rather, so I, you know, I'll quote a Harvard professor called Arthur Brooks on his statement about success when studying a lot of executives and leaders and founders. And he writes that insatiable goals to acquire more succeed conspicuously and be as attractive as possible lead us to objectify one another and even ourselves. When people see themselves as little more than attractive bodies, jobs, or bank accounts, it brings great suffering. You become heartless taskmaster to yourself, seeing yourself as nothing more than homo economicus. Love and fun are sacrificed for one for another day of work in search of positive internal answer to the question, am I success, successful yet? We become cardboards, cutouts of real people. And so in, in a way, when you describe me, I feel like a cutout cardboard of, of these individual <laughs> things. Like I'm a human just like, like everybody else. I do have relationships. I have challenges in my relationships. I have good times. I have bad times. And yes, these are certain milestones that you describe, but uh, I don't like, I, I feel like they are just milestones. I don't feel that, that they define me as much. And what I'm kind of getting to is, and what, what 
with you know working with a therapist has has definitely been going for is getting away from the the need to compare. And of course, we comp- like we are game designers. We know that the comparison is the foundation of cooperate cooperation and competition. And when you compare yourself, when I would compare myself to to you know most of the people that I know. I'm a loser. <laughs> so so uh, I try to actively avoid that and find different goals that are set by myself that I'm chasing. And one of those is that you mentioned with the deconstructor of fun, like it, it, it really goes back to sort of a your values, like how what are your internal values? And I understand that probably 99% of listeners right now don't have set their own values. And I really encourage you to go on that explorational path. It's much more fun to do values for yourself rather than to your company. And I understood that that part of my core values is authenticity, meaning like I need to be myself. I don't want to be swayed by others' opinions. And I very much enjoy the work of a deconstructor of fun is because one of the things that we are is authentic. Like we tell our opinions, we retract our opinions when we're wrong. We we always are, you know, authentic with what we're doing. And I and that's kind of like my core value. And that is one of the things that that allows me not to compare to others because we're all different and we all have our different paths. And through that, it, I, I at least feel more at peace with my with myself. Mm. So it's a good starting point with a comparison because here, and I've seen it in, as a drive of many entrepreneurs, it's a, it's an endless race. You will always find someone who's better than you if you compare numbers. How big has been your exit? How much do you earn? How much do you possess? How many friends and likes do you have and followers? You know, it's even like now being a bit more active on LinkedIn, I find myself having those thoughts and it's, it's really toxic actually it's really it you have to be do a conscious effort to be go beyond that and not to define yourself by those comparison by number which is what we do all the time right when we compare kpis what makes a great game what makes a good exit the size Mm -hmm. so it's a whole system that we have to fight against so that comparison it's the default state of what every everyone does and one interesting point of development i found through my own journey as well, even like building Rise and Play. That's why I remember we were talking about numbers and how how looking at numbers help and doesn't help. For me, it's more of a growth that matters. Like, mm-hmm. am I making progress rather than am I big now? And it's a long journey, right? Yeah. Is it's an internal metric. And I take a quote here from an entrepreneur and investor, very savvy as well known, with a lot of philosophical thoughts, Naval Ravikant. I don't know if you know of him or have read from him. He has an amazing book as well with a lot of wisdom. And one he said, like, I that resonated well with me because it's also very gamified as a definition. It's like, we are all playing in the business world, the multiplayer game. We are always comparing ourselves to other players. And like, my approach as an entrepreneur, I'm, I want to play the single player game. <laughs> I play the game of my life and I compete with myself. And many other entrepreneurs as well would say that, the Warren Buffett and Jim Rohn. And I have developed that, those thoughts as well uh, over the years. What are the internal metrics where no one uh, can compete with me by being me? It's like no one can beat you at being Mishka. <laughs> and how far have you thought of that? What does that mean? How does that translate if you are thinking with those metrics, you know, internal metrics? Yeah. Playing the single player game for you. 
Yeah, it's I don't know if they I don't know if you should like go all the way to single player. All kind like comparison is not bad. It really there's this thing that that fires you up and I know I compare myself whether it's our newsletter versus somebody else's and I'm like we got to do better. We got to and that's a good type of a competition where I'm not I don't wish the demise of the others, but I wish to demolish them with better content, not like they would go down, but just be much bigger because there's so much work and so forth. So not wishing somebody bad, but more taking it as a challenge to do better. And so that is a positive type of a feeling. It's not jealousy. And then when we talk about success, again, maybe I'm private because I have actually professional help in in, in this sense, like the success or the sort of a dissatisfaction drivers are divided into three. And the one is money. So as you mentioned, and even in studies, like I think it was like 80% of Americans said that if they would have more money, they would be more happier. And of course, there is a certain threshold after which more money is more problems. But nevertheless, like money is the number one thing. And then you kind of have to ask yourself different kind of questions. Like, what do I believe about the role of money play in my well-being? What triggers my anxiety about ha- not having enough money, et cetera, et cetera? And then there's the role of achievements. And that's the other thing that you mentioned. And so that is sort of a, like, do you neglect key relationships? Do you neglect, do you sacrifice your own health, your diet, your mental well-being to achieve success? Do you feel disillusioned or resentful when you fall out short of goals? And this is this comes with especially many executives. They can hit five out of six of their targets and they feel like a failure because they didn't hit one of those. So they can't, you know, rejoice in founders as well with with achievement. And then final one is the relationship with recognition and status. And so that is another driver. And this is like, do you regularly seek recognition from important people? Do you constantly spend time monitoring your status on social media like that? And so when measuring those, you actually have to break it down, just like a PM, you start breaking it down, what influences my success, and then really working and optimizing those. So with money, it's really important to to set the sort of a goal to yourself, like what is the money target? For some, it might be the yacht money, and that that could be challenging, but you know, not impossible. If that is the thing, then you go for it. But it is a never-ending game. And I remember we were se- sitting here on my balcony with with another successful game, let's call him game maker, and you know, in in the conversation, he mentioned that he made ten million euros, and I was like, wow. And th- and he's like, I feel like. He said this. This is this was the best quote. He feels like he's poor rich. And I was like, what the hell are you talking about? Because he's comparing. So he's comparing mm. to another person who made 90. And now his 10 feels like it's nothing. And then he even says, like, well, I could surf for the rest of my life or like well, do whatever. But nevertheless, like he's he, he was having this mental challenge. And I was like, what are you talking about? Like, this is crazy talk. <laughs> like, you don't have to work anymore unless you want to. So do whatever you want, and et cetera. But it just tells you, like, there's no ending unless you put a certain number to yourself. And if he would have said, if I make five, I'd be the happiest person. Like, then I don't have to think about money ever in my life. And once he made 10, he'd be like, I'm double more happy. But he never set that type of a goal. And he only said, I got 10. And I look at others, and I'm not even like top 10 earner in my country. So that that's another power. And then, of course, when it comes to achievement and relationship and recognition, it's kind of like writing it down. What kind of relationship do you want to have with your close one, with your family, with your friends, et cetera? And then going after those. Like, when was the last time you took a trip? Well, you 
probably closer. I see you biking all over the place, but people with families and a lot of obligations. Like when was the last time you met with your friends and you and the boys and you and the girls went somewhere and just had fun and kind of reconnected properly? Probably a long time. And so that is also a measurement of success. If you put that in and you do that trip together with your friends, I think you'll feel really, you know, healthy and really happy because that you achieved something that was important and it that pushed your relationship and recognition status forward. So really breaking it down to money, achievements, and uh, recognition and status, and then optimizing against those and setting your own targets, not taking targets from somebody else, but setting mm. it them um, for yourself. Mm. And both setting your targets for yourself, I think this is exactly the core of the conversation today, which is really hard because it forces you to have to know a bit yourself and mm -hmm. uh, your values and not the ones you only you inherited. Because let's say you can have, you could have grown up in a family where everything is around status and numbers. If it's wealthy and then <laughs> you're expected to be wealthier, I don't know, or, you know, bigger, uh, more successful. So it, it's, it's a hard work, like, uh, as you say as well, Ron, thanks for sharing uh, so openly about therapy where those are the opportunities of life to really look inward and like take a big zoom out mm -hmm. uh, where you really like lay out everything. It's like, do I still want to keep that part of me and this? Is this really what I want or inherited? Because all those comparisons come from somewhere. It's not like, oh, we were born and like, I want to earn a million, so I'll be happy. It's something we took from you know, outside comparison and social media. And actually one point of money that I've been reflecting on and also very conscious, in the end, re in practice, we really need money to cover how we live, right? Mm -hmm. And this is another point as well related to success. What, how do we want to live? And you have extreme entrepreneurs where they increase the expenses as they increase their wealth. So at some point, you know, it's very dependable and you have to earn more to keep up with your lifestyle. And then you see other entrepreneurs like super conservative, Buffett, once again, like not changing the house forever, although he earns like, I don't know. That's the real definition of wealth. And I think this is maybe a point of conversation. What is being rich and being mm -hmm. wealthy, like around the money conversation? Because wealthy, uh, according to... For example, Buffett and others who are wiser around the money and the author of, who wrote uh, Psychology of Money, mm -hmm. it's being able to earn at accordingly to your lifestyle, right? And so when you want less, when you are, <laughs> I don't know, wiser, then you can be wealthy with less and save as you earn, you know? So it's also almost a mindset and the way of living to manage your finances, which is... What, what I meant to say is like, because money is kind of a metric for success, mm -hmm. but when you really break down the money and what is the goal of it, and not just a number, it's like, what do you want to do with the money? Does it offer you freedom, flexibility, which is maybe the way you want to live? Yeah. So, so you touch upon an important point. And again, I have to get back to the values and money is part of those, but when you go into, let's call it finances, I think it's a more, more interesting way to put it than just money. Mm -hmm. And when it comes to finances, like you have to go through and, and understand like what is important for you. I don't fault anybody who wants to get a sports car, you know, a beach house and, and a boat. That's great. If those are the things that, that 
whether they're their values or whether they are their beliefs. So values meaning the principles you live by and beliefs meaning that these are the facts that you accept to be true often without question. But when it comes to when it comes to finances, like for me, I'm, I'll just talk about myself. For me, it means self-reliance, really. that That's what money is, me, meaning that you can be independent and not having to rely on others. You can have freedom, like Literally, money for me is just the measurement of freedom. And there's a certain threshold after which you achieve your freedom, and then you can do things that you want to do. And that is the most important. And that was sort of a, like, even talking to my therapist, kind of going through these aspects, an important revelation, because I, money is very important for me. But nevertheless, I don't have anything that I wanted to buy. And they're like, well, what do you, I'm like, I don't want to own a boat. That sounds horrible. And I was like, sports car is the most impractical thing you can get. And like, why would I have one when I can just drive my electric car and it's as fast, more reliable, <laughs> like the super stupid, like, anyways, like, like there, there was nothing to buy. And then like a, a, a vacation home, I was like, yes, I love Spain. We go there all the time, but would I like to go to the same place? And one of like, there's, you have to have these calls about like pay some tax and do some work and all this hassle. I'm like, oh, actually, I don't want any of that. So then it was kind of like more like a deeper conversation. Look, what does it mean to you? And then I was like, oh, we always were poor when I was a kid. And that's one part where the importance of like a poor man mindset that just never goes away. And then the second one is just like, I, like I want to do these certain things and I can do these certain things only after I accumulate enough wealth where I don't have to depend on getting enough you know, revenue from the next things that I want to do. And once you get into that point, and then you can actually just calculate, just do your math uh, with, you know, the funds, the investments, the uh, the apartments that you might have as, you know, uh, for renting, et cetera. And then like, okay, this is the financial situation that I need to go for. And once I've done it, now I have my freedom to do what I want to do. And I think that was very helpful way of thinking. And then money becomes a certain target, but it's not a target of like, I need to buy the next thing. It's more like, after this, mm. I can continue doing what I need and what I want without needing to do what anything for the money. Yeah. And that's a very concrete actionable for the listeners here is while they're constructing their own definition of what success is or the drivers, you know, in life, what, what do they want uh, to do with money? How are they approaching it? Because it's also a reflection of values. Yeah. And I really like how open you are about <laughs> because it's easy to fall so on the luxurious possession and it's not wrong because it may signal, mean something else, you know, to yeah. individuals when they uh, can uh, showcase success. But for you, it's not in your values that it would move a needle in your sense of happiness, yeah. meaning, or like for you, I hear it's more flexibility and freedom, right? Yeah. Self-reliance. Uh, and I'll, I'll, I'll also have to say, like, for any, like, for those who are like, no, but I need, I want to get this and or whatever the material is. And I've been there. And it's really interesting to notice how it doesn't give you long-lasting satisfaction. I remember a case where, where I had some money, you know, I'm almost 40. I've, you know, <laughs> so, uh, so I've been, I've been <laughs> like, like, let's put it this way. So I've splurged. And I remember at one time, I really, like, I thought that the next step that I need to do is buy a Swiss watch. Of course, like, how can I exist further without showing my wealth with a timepiece? And so I remember like, like I had, like there was this dealer, the dealer came in, you know, opened up his box, he drove, drove him Mercedes, got all the watches and we sat together and like chose the one, yeah, this is the one I want. I got the watch, just that like, like everything was just like I imagined, just like on a YouTube video. And I think I was like excited 
for maybe like, I don't know, 48 hours. <laughs> like a Swiss watch is not a bad investment. Also, you can sell it. It's actually, this one was Italian, but it's the same thing. And just an understanding that that doesn't make you much happier. I haven't used that watch. Like I maybe use it five days uh, a year, just if when it, there's like some kind of a party or, you know, you have to go to a wedding or whatnot, then you put your nice watch. But most of the time you just use Apple watch and, and, and just understanding that, that type of a thing that you were, I was dreaming about it for a long time. I, since I was in, in university, I was like, when I, you know, when I get older, like I really wanted to get the same type of watch as Schwarzenegger and Stallone have, like I'm, I'm a pretty basic bro. And when I got it, like, it just didn't feel like anything. And so that kind of mm. disillusioned me about getting all kinds of material, whether it's cars or anything else. So, so I encourage everybody to also complete their goals and whatever, buy the the material that they think they really want and just measure how you feel, not how, you know, everything else is like, if that really made you super happy, if watch collection or car collection is like something that, that is like deeply satisfying to you, that's awesome. Then go for it. But if you really feel after like a week that, you know, it's, it's just a watch <laughs> and, and then you're like, actually, I don't want any more. They're still cool. But, and I got over these humps of like cars is I tend, tended to rent always. Like when we go somewhere, I would rent a really cool car and I would be like, it was great to drive it. Now I don't have to even think about buying it like a two seater, like any kind of a cool car. Just drive it for a few days and get it out of your system. And then you don't need to mm. do that stupid purchase. <laughs> Yeah, but it's good. It's also a lean way of approaching uh, life in a way that you get the part that you really want to experience without the burden of, because it's a reality. You It gives you more work. Uh, that's why wealth could be uh, like that trap where you possess more and then you need you know to employ people to take care of it, a house, a garden, and uh, multiple cars. And I, I don't know, <laughs> God knows what. You know, it, it, it's yeah. a whole company and business you're running. But then yeah, you're not very free anymore. It's actually so yeah. it's taking a step back to ask yourself. And then it's a, a journey of learning, right? You wouldn't have known this without experiencing it. I wanted to get back to a point as well, as you mentioned, therapy, because what was the signal of a cues for you? Because you could, like, again, back from uh, from the outside, like, well, I'm good here. I'm, I, I can enjoy my whole life. I've worked really hard and I know the startup times really... <laughs> It's probably very stressful fundraising the future of the company. Among all things, like why, how, how did you end up in going to therapy and starting if you open to share? Because maybe that resonates with others of the listeners. Yeah, I, I think so. Therapy was well. There's two 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 factors. So of course, being a founder and spent just spending a lot of time with different founders, successful those who had suffered defeats uh, along their journey. They kind of recommended me as well, like going to therapy, that how much it helped them. So that's one part. And then, of course, you know, with my spouse. So a lot of the time what happens and, you know, she did therapy when she was much younger due to different things. And then and then some later on, she's always open to go to therapy to solve some of the issues that are that she's having. And she encouraged me as well strongly encouraged <laughs> because what happens is is when you have these emotions that that are unclear 
whether it's your values, whether it's your belief, whether it's the stress that is, like we often say, oh, I'm just super stressful. And you never go into why. There's like a stress relief. So go for a jog, do some sports, smoke some weed. I'm not encouraging anybody to smoke some weed. I'm sorry, we're not in the US. So, <laughs> so uh, don't do that, definitely. At least yeah, unless you're in Holland. But, um, you know, these type of things. And there's never, like there, there is, but it's not quite often with men to go like, go to the source of what really stresses you out. And what really is the thing that, that makes you an unpleasant person to be around with because you're not internally set. And that's where, that's where I went to, to therapy. And in my point was a lot of it was, was like imbalance in priorities. And that's what I started working is like work was such a big priority. Like this need of achievement, this, you know, the need of all of that was just like going ahead of everything and it didn't feel good, but it still went ahead. And I took the calls and, you know, late, I tried to help people. I tried to do this, like just too many. And where I gave more to others than I gave to those who I really actually appreciate and and, and cherish. And and that kind of started the journey of, of, you know, building your values, understanding that you're not the only one with these challenges. That's actually like beyond common. <laughs> and that, that kind of normalize your thing. And then that sets you on your own path, on your own goal setting, and makes you feel much more comfortable in your own skin. So that's basically it. And that's why I, I definitely encourage other founders to, to do this. And I also, you know, like yesterday I received an email from an update from a startup. I've invested in quite a few and not doing well. Like as many, I mean, have to cut costs, have to cut people, have to double down on work. Definitely not, not looking good. Easily see them go bankrupt next year. And my point for them is like, just dude, you know, do this. And then after that, just stop, live to fight another day. Like you don't have to, you don't have to give it your all and feel like an utmost failure in everybody's eyes because your startup failed. It's just like, it was a good yes. idea. It just didn't work. Like, that's fine. I don't hate you. Nobody does. Most likely people mm. will fund you again. It was what it was. Most startups fail. Just be fine with it. Like go work somewhere for a couple of years and let's get, let's do it again. And kind of like having that empathy and understanding how much, how important it is for them and, and probably like how humiliated or defeated they feel and just being like, it's fine, dude. Let's just, let's go. Mm. So. Mm. It's very also powerful that you share just what you shared, like to make it, I think you use the word normalized because I can imagine, well, I'm not a man, so I can't imagine, of course, but I can imagine still that it's a quite a difficult topic and not so widespread because it's maybe stigmatized and like you have a problem, you're weak and so on. And I want you also to go back to years before. You even, I don't know if it was the first time that you consider therapy at this stage of your life and where you're, you are, you're at. What was a blocker or some resistance or I don't prejudice you had around therapy in the past before you actually now know what it is? Maybe that could help others to understand the, the journey for you. Yeah, there's, I think there's two things. One was time. It's like I just don't have time. I don't have time to go mm. somewhere to sit on a couch chit chat some <laughs> bullshit <laughs> and the other part is just like felt like a weak man like a weak person's thing to just go in and complain like why would i oh boohoo i have hard times just like shut up and do work and like those are the mm -hmm. eternal thoughts and definitely it's not like that because you have to consider it more as mental training 
or meditate. I hate word meditation because it's so cool nowadays, but it's more like you're, you're talking <laughs> to your mental coach and, and they help you to not necessarily define inner balance, but just, just help you to think more clearly, help you to, to be a better person just by, you know, focusing on yourself and your own mindset and understanding that athletes do it all the time. Like they have their mental coaches, whether there's football players who are having like a dry streak or fighters or you name it. And like, like normalizing just that. And then considering in my head, I was like, okay, it's a mental coach. It's not a therapist. It's a mental coach. <laughs> and, and that helps. But, but it's very easy to like, if you haven't done it or if you've tried it once and maybe you didn't just connect with a therapist, it's quite easy to consider it something that is not needed, something that men haven't used prior. So why would you use it now? There's many easy ways to neglect it, but I think it's just a tool. And if you neglect this powerful tool for your for, to, for training your mind, I think it's a disadvantage. And, and that's why I would say it's, that's how, why I would recommend it for men. So just, you know, maybe don't talk too much about it if you don't want to. I'm saying it just because I know I'm in a position where a lot of people will listen to it and I hope to normalize it so more would use this tool, but you know. And I appreciate it. And I can tell you, having worked with many teams and dynamics, those baggage that we bring at work, they come from the past. And like you say, it's a tool and it's actually an advantage if you can understand what you're bringing into work and maybe not being attached, like, oh, that's the way I am. And I've always worked this way. I don't know, being aggressive or being pushy. And that's how I succeed. And understand, well, actually, that's also a limi limiter of you mm -hmm. today. So therapy, I see this as a tool to look at the past. And like now that I do coaching as well, it's more looking forward. So that's the main difference between the two. Therapy is more analyzing the past, making sense. So you can get extract learnings about yourself. It's like a deconstruction of yourself mm -hmm. in a way, a next stage of deconstruction of fun. And then coaching is more, okay, action plan. How do we go forward? Like, okay, that's the situation. That's the audit. But therapists, their goal is not to get on goals, right? It's more to be there with what's happening. And so a coach is like, okay, now let's walk, let's race, let's run to that next thing that uh, you want in your life, you know? Yeah, yeah, Those exactly. Those two are very complementary. Yes, in, yes and no. Like they really do different things. Coaching is more mm -hmm. tactical. It helps you with your work. Therapy is more that helps you as a person. And no matter where you are right now, whether you're working or even not, It, it helps you to understand yourself better. It's like a mental mirror, if you will. And when you find a good therapist with the ways of working that, that you enjoy, for me, it's like she gives a lot of reading material. We listen to some of the same podcasts and she's like, listen to this and let's talk about it and so forth. So it, it sounds really interesting. Like that is the way I like to do it and helps me to find tools that I can use myself. And I'm, you know, and that's, but what I'm trying to say is, Try to find the type of a therapist that, that works with the way you work and just give it a go five times or something like that. And of course, like be you have to be open also with what is the challenge. Like it took me a long time before I was able to really pinpoint like my priorities in my life are off. And it really started with, with, with this sort of a journaling book that I got from, from Instagram ad for men. And, and it had, yeah, yeah, it's like this black leather journaling thing. I don't know. I'm perfect. I, I buy all kinds of stuff from Instagram and, and you know, it's like questions and something like that for per day. And it, at one point it had like this list of hundred things you want to achieve and started putting them. And a lot of the stuff was, 
was quite simple, like not a cheap, but like a bucket list of hundred things. And a lot of the stuff was like very much like around friends and family. And I was like, these are not hard to achieve. Why am I not just doing them? And so kind of like the priorities are off. Like I'm focusing on things and they'd also put in like different categories where are you succeeding and not like relationships, work, finances and so forth. And like succeeding in certain areas and really being poor at others. And that kind of set the question forward. like, hey, I'm, I have problems with prioritizing. I'm not hitting balanced goals. I'm hitting on the other mm-hmm. side. So I need to be hitting them more balancedly and then going to a therapist, getting tools to understand your own values, understand your own beliefs, setting goals, setting ways of working around those. Coaching then, again, it's like when we talk about aggressiveness or how you lead and those kind of type of things, therapy won't help you there. <laughs> so unfortunately, it might a little bit, but not as, you know, they won't give you a day-to-day tools. Yeah, exactly. That is, that's why it's different tools for different purpose. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But in coaching, you have to understand first before you can change something. So that's why awareness, therapy brings awareness. And that's the very first step. So in change, I think therapy is a good yeah. tool to begin with. Have you tried therapy? Ongoing, I, I did. I did uh, multiple times, actually. The point for me that was the trigger was when I was building my own studio mm-hmm. and I was during COVID and I was reading myself where I was so driven by my goals of succeeding. Like I, there was a lot on the line for me. Like I need to prove that I can build a studio quickly, like we can launch a game, etc. And then just things didn't work according to the plan because it was COVID. We couldn't uh-huh. be all working together. The team was stressed. I felt like it was slipping through my fingers and I was like, and it was impacting all the areas of my life. And this was the signal like, okay, there's something not working for me. And why do I care so much? What does it mean for me to succeed at this stage? And this is where I understood a lot of letting go of understanding where it was coming from for me. And maybe I'll share here also, as you shared some part of personal, it's coming from my upbringing. Like a lot of my drive for success is coming from my upbringing. My parents, immigrants, I mean, that's a common story. They came to France and they didn't have a success story they wanted because it was taken away from them with the war. They just had to flee. So they they put it on the children and Mm -hmm. I'm I'm the elder. So I had to carry the flag and made it all worth it. You know, it's like all this suffering, all this sacrifice for us, for a better life. I need to succeed because then otherwise it was not worth it. So I was carrying all this burden but I was not doing for myself, but for my parents as well. So everyone would be happy. And at some point I had to free myself from it because I, I couldn't feel in my own shoes at some point. It was like, it's I, it's not me. I'm not myself. I, I'm not doing this as myself. And mm-hmm. that was the point where I learned to be then more starting the path to rise and play. As like all the things that we sometimes are our drivers, they are legacies. And what is the cost? is ourself because we can feel it in our body that something is not right. And when we don't feel it, the, the body will tell us, right? You end yeah. up like, you know, burnout, sick and so on. Yeah. Yeah. Sadly, a lot, not sadly, interestingly, a lot of it comes from our, some, from our childhoods, all these type of things. And it's not bad. It's just like, again, it's not like a childhood trauma. It's just understanding where this comes from and then being able to prioritize the things that actually make you happy that are according to your values, not the values of somebody else. And that's the problem is like we oftentimes work against the goals that others set us 
rather than the goals that we set ourselves. Yes. And I want to finish with the last question going forward and maybe setting some direction of, because I'm very curious, like we, we are all working progress always. Mm -hmm. So I, I catch you in that stage of life, but a book that really has inspired me as well when I was like selling my own journey with Rise and Play going independent and like fi finding myself quite happy these days from the pathless path. Success is finding something that is worth doing indefinitely. So it's more about the journey than the outcome. You know, as long as you can live a life in, and it's like very in the moment present. And again, it's like another way to think about it is like the day you can have a bit of consciousness before you die, because I think it's very healthy also to think about mortality. You know, we don't, it's, it's not a funny thought. I am very aware of that, but it's also a very healthy thought when you know that we, our time in, on this planet is limited and it's not when we think it is, right? Even I was thinking a lot about that when I was in India and I was in the back of a car with no safety belt, 90 kilometers on the highway. I was really thinking highly mm -hmm. about that moment. <laughs> like, what is it? It's like my last moment. And what is it that I wish I had done that before, you know, this is now. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if you have those thoughts and if there are things that you haven't done yet that you wish you would do if your moment had to be tomorrow, right? And what yeah. are you doing these days to fill those buckets of balance, like you mentioned. Yeah, I mean, I, I do have the bucket list and it's growing with a lot of really silly things and I'm trying to get those done. <laughs> but you, you had that quote about success. I have another one that I, that I constantly do for measurement. I've said this before. It's if you're successful, you do whatever you like. If you're unsuccessful, you do what somebody else likes. It's that simple. This is by Morton Mikkus. He's the CEO of HackerOne. I happen to know this person. So it makes the quote much more impactful. And this is really how I measure my days. Like I, you know, I do stuff during my days that, that others want me to do. So I can't say that those days are successful, but I try to try to get to a more and more of a position where I can do the things that I want to do. And, and yeah, it's constant and uh, constant. And, and really it's like your question was like, what would I do against the list? Or if my day was tomorrow, it's like, that's a sad thing to think about. Like, that's very. <laughs> yeah. Like no, but are, what are the areas of life that you have been overlooking in that you are yeah. uh, rebalancing today? I'm curious. Like, yeah. Concretely. Yeah. So definitely family life, being more present with the kids, which I'm not all the time. Right? So it's definitely a challenge still having good relationship with my wife, getting back with my friends. All these things have been neglected uh, at the altar of achieving success through work. And those are the type of things. And then the second part is like something that I love Deconstructor Fun about and something that I'm focusing on building for at least, you know, next half a year is getting it into a position where the Constructive Fund can help even further founders, leaders in, in gaming, not just with the content, but with certain tools that and instruments that we are, are planning to do. And and that 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 is again kind of like the the aspects that that I feel excited about. That yeah, you know, it's according to my values. I really do like appreciation. I enjoy being recognized by others and that validates and helps and, and by, by others and by, by others who I care about. And so those are the type of aspects I really, you know, uh, care about 
all kinds of founders and, and we're trying to, to work towards that. But really going through these elements and, and bucketing, like I said, like just opening it up in different categories, like what are your values and making sure that you're working against them with multiple different things. So with authenticity, with self-reliance, with creativity, meaning like all these new starts, all these kind of fun things that we're working mm-hmm. together on a bunch of things and so forth. And then the the catering to my, you know, my like of appreciation. I think most of us like to be appreciated by those who I care and not, mm-hmm. I'm one of those. So I'm not going to, mm-hmm. I'm not going to say that's not important. Yeah. And that's really important that you're owning it, right? I think this is back to the authenticity. Let's not try to be someone else to, uh, to be liked, but accepting who we are and accepting that there are people who will support, approve that part of us. And some will not. But I think at the end of the day, although it's a very self-centered way of thinking, you have to like yourself first and accept who you are. Then uh, it's acceptable that others could uh, also love you, right? If you are, and what is happening most of the time as well, is you uh, looking for external validation when there's not that internal validation. So it's back again to the measurement from inside. Yeah. And and part of, I have to say, part of the value of, of appreciation is also helping those you care about and validating those. And that's an important, like it's, it goes both way. It's not just, I need to be appreciated, but I like when people have that value, again, it's quite often that they get satisfaction when they appreciate others who they care about. So mm-hmm. uh, I've, I might've been doing that a little bit. <laughs> so Yeah. Yeah. But this is the last, like I bring some wisdom also from India where we were talking a, a lot about that with uh, some other founders, entrepreneurs, and it's almost like a hierarchy of self-realization. And you know what goes beyond after you can take care of yourself is that you can be at the service of others. And that's yeah. what, you know, creates meaning in life because this you are enough. You don't need to serve yourself and feed yourself all the time and you have a capacity to bring to others, you know, and that you care about for impact and creating value. And thankfully, we are also a world like this. Otherwise, we would just, you know, not be collaborating and trying to improve the world, the environment where we live in. Wise words from India. I might need to go there. No promises. (laughs) Yeah. So listen carefully, everyone. Mishka said those words and we'll take him. (laughs) We'll take this for 2024 for the listeners. Let's wrap it up for today. Is there something, although we touch upon uh, like on many things like therapy, mm-hmm. success, personal, external success, money, wealth, very important topics that I know don't always get the, the attention because we talk about them only when they are mm-hmm. important. Is there something that I didn't ask you, I should have asked you or that you wanted to ask me at last? <laughs> I think we've I think we've covered a lot in a, in a relatively short amount of time. I don't nothing that comes to my mind really. I, I want to just kind of like to finalize on really the importance of like this is something that you brought forward I think a, a good time ago, and it took me at least a year to get to a point of really like thinking about my own values because that helps you to to understand yourself better. So I would encourage listeners to explore their values and not like sit one evening and just write them down and be done with it. It takes a good amount of time to understand yourselves. So put like six months for it. Just explore a little bit every week of different things. What makes you tick? If you arrive there faster, that's better. If you arrive there later, that doesn't matter. As long as you're able to understand yourself better. And then there's probably a link somewhere below for the journaling, the book, especially if men, like men don't, yeah, don't often, oftentimes do it, but it's a really cool sort of a journaling thing where every day or every week it has, you know, kind of like 
internally think and, and put your what emotions are you feeling right now and why? And there's always different things. It's not like a blank journal. It's very much an assisted journal. And I think that is a great way of starting off easy with a clear first-time user experience of getting to know yourself and potentially finding different tough spots. And then I'll finalize it with, as I said in the beginning, majority of people who I know are infinitely more successful than I am. And that is... That can be a bad thing if you're comparing yourself, or it can be a good thing because when you know them properly, when you spend time with them, you understand that the challenges about self-realization, feeling that you're not enough, feeling that, that you're not appreciated by others, maybe because you're too successful, those persist with people who we would consider don't need to worry about anything, the challenges in personal life, etc. And so understanding that this is not only you, and this is not just because you don't have enough of something, it persists with all of us. And yeah, that's a quite a powerful realization that more money or more appreciation won't take away the internal issues that you have until you do it yourself. A lot of wisdom. It's been just a few months, Mishka, but I wanted to give also some praise, recognition to that work as well, because it's not an easy work. It is the work of life and it really mm -hmm. works that takes time, as you said. So a lot to process. Thanks a lot <laughs> for sharing today. And please link that manly, manly journal, yeah. dark manly <laughs> journal. I'm quite curious about it's it. It's very dark, it's very leathery. Uh, <laughs> it's amazing. Randy, I'm, I'm, I'm quite impressed. Many others could relate and start the journaling. Thank you, everybody. And send us some feedback. Like and share Rise and Play podcast by powerful Sophie mm -hmm. Vo. So on that <laughs> note, thank you everybody for listening. Till next time. Thank you everyone. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to this latest episode of the Rise and Play podcast. I am growing a community of conscious leaders across the industry and beyond. If you want to join this movement, please share the podcast with other conscious leaders because we have so much more we can learn from each other. If you've enjoyed this episode, please follow and rate the show on Spotify or your other favorite podcast platform. It will help other growing leaders to discover the show and benefit from the valuable insights. If you would like to grow rapidly your leadership skills, you can find more insights on riseandplay.io, where you will also find my free masterclass on conscious leadership and other resources that I offer. Have a great week, and remember to take care of yourself. Until the next time, 